Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, Eurofolk Radio, Voice of Christian Israel, June 23rd, 2019, and uh, have been unable to get a hold of Pastor Martin, so uh, I'm planning on going solo uh, unless he calls in, but uh, Paul English just sent me this uh, post with uh, a couple of people uh, talking about biblical proof that the Jews are not good, God's chosen people, <laughs> all right? Tex Mars uh, being interviewed or vice versa, I'm not sure which. And so uh, it's not a very long video, so I think we'll play this and I will just comment. So, uh, and then um, when this is done, I'm going to read from a document by Marcus Eli Ravage, who is a Jewish author who admits the misdeeds of the Jews throughout history, but also claims that the Jews are our guides, okay? So uh, that's, uh, and of course, it's a, a dual message and a doublethink by a Jew. He's a very, very clever Jewish author that we can get into that. Okay, so here, let's uh, open up this um, this video here. It's only about six minutes I long. found so much proof that Israel there is not the Israel that God's talking about. But we who have believed in God, who have the faith of Abraham, we're the children of God. We're the seed of Abraham. It said... So far, so good. <laughs> but who is the we? And I think what he means is the Christian church, quote-unquote, Christian church. But uh, he quotes Romans 9, 7, 8. I'll read it first before he, he does. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, we in identity interpret this meaning not all of the children are of Abraham are the actual children of the covenant, okay? Because the fact is there were Arabs and who started out as Ishmaelites, and the Indo-Aryans, the children of Keturah. So the only the children of Sarah are counted as the direct line of descent because the other two uh, groups of offspring, the Ishmaelites and the Indo-Aryans of Keturah, were sent off by Abraham in order that Isaac's covenant relationship with Yahweh would not be taken by them. So they are actually excluded. Those two genomes are excluded from the covenant of Yahweh with Abraham, and then it devolved upon Jacob, and Esau was excluded, leaving only the direct descendants of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and no other people as the remaining covenant people. That's how we understand it in identity. Let's see what he has to say. In Romans 9, verse 7, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Okay, now here Paul is making a distinction that the children of the flesh, the non-Isaacs, the non-Isaac sons are the children of the flesh because they do not get the spirit of that was breathed into the covenant seed, okay? He just clearly said it's only the seed of Isaac 
that is the seed. And Paul elaborates this in, in Romans, actually in the book of Galatians as well, said that the Edomites are are going to be destroyed. <laughs> the Edomites are going to, and of course, we know that the Edomites are the Jews today. So let's get his take on it. So the Bible says that the children of the flesh, the physical children of Abraham... Yeah, but he just excluded the physical children, the non-Isaac physical children. Okay, that's Paul's context. So he's still talking about the rejects. He's talking about the rejects. Let's continue. Isaac and Jacob. These are, it specifically spells out and says they are not the children of God. No, he's got that wrong. He forgot that the that Paul just only included Isaac's seed and rejected the other two seeds. That's what Paul's point is. In Galatians 3, it explains that we're the children of Abraham. It says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. It's amazing to me, though, how Christians overlook Galatians 3. Now, I'm, I'm almost 70 years old. I'm an old man. But I've never, ever, ever heard a sermon on Galatians 3. Well, we have here at Your Folk Radio. We've done entire series on the book of Galatians, especially Galatians 3, where Paul clearly states that the covenant relationship between Yahweh and his people Israel cannot be disavowed. It lasts forever. And this is a blood genetic covenant. So, the faith, what's the faith? The true faith, the covenant theology faith. That's what Paul is talking about. These guys are trying to universalize and generalize the word faith. Back to these, back to the video. Verse 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. Okay, where Paul says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither Judahite nor dispersed Israelite, who he's referring to here as the Greeks. It's interesting it doesn't say Gentile. Sometimes they translate Helen as Gentile, but here they translated it correctly. And if you read James 1.1, he addresses his gospel to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad. And Josephus tells us that only two tribes were subject to the Romans, namely Judah and Benjamin, but the other ten are scattered throughout the Greco-Roman world, not to be estimated by numbers. So this is what Paul is talking about. There is neither Judahite or Judean, because uh, besides the Judahites, there were also Levites and Benjamites living in Judea at, in those days. That's who he's referring to. He's not referring to those disgusting creatures called Edomites in any way. So what he's saying is that when Yahshua Messiah came, he came to redeem all of Israel, not just the ones living in Judea, but also the Israelites, the non-sacrifice practicing Israelites scattered throughout the Greco-Roman world. So this is what, this, let me read it. There is neither Judahite nor Greek of the dispersion. There is neither bond nor free. It doesn't matter if you are an indentured servant or a free person. There is neither male nor field. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. He is continuing the covenant relationship between Yahweh and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not expanding it to anybody who believes in Jesus, which is really obvious already that that's what this these guys are trying to say. So let's continue. 
There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, those Israelites who did not accept Yahshua Messiah when he offered redemption at Calvary, if you did not accept that, and if you still don't accept that as an Israelite, you be in big in trouble, bro. You're in big trouble. That's what he means there. Let's continue. Both of those are fantastic. Who is the heir to the promise? Whoever has Jesus. Not whoever, who, whichever Israelite has Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 reads, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Gentiles is not a scriptural word. It's a Latin word imposed upon the scriptures and means nothing. Nations, the word uh, ethnos, actually the best translation. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past a race in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision of the flesh, made by hands. Okay. Only the Abrahamic covenant only applied to the direct descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were circumcised. Okay, this is the Abrahamic covenant. Circumcision was a mark of that covenant. Who but the Israelites carried on this tradition? Nobody. Although the Arabs picked it up, they, but they're, they're, um, I think they circumcised their sons at the age of 13, which is really strange. I don't know why the change. But that's what Paul is talking about here. But let's see what their take on it is. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of... Now, aliens is a bad translation. It's a verb. Being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel is the correct translation. You can't be alienated from something that you're never a part of. Translating at aliens instead of alienated makes it seem like non-Israelites can, but even there's no way anybody in those days could understand Israelite religion because they simply didn't practice it. And even at this point in time, it was forbidden for the Judahites to incorporate non-Israelites into their religion. It was simply forbidden, okay? They would have killed Paul if that's thought what they if that's what they thought he meant the whole discussion was whether or not the dispersed 10 tribes who were non-sacrificed and they weren't obeying Yahweh's laws in in any case but they were still primarily good people who had adopted some pagan customs paul is telling us that the the division between those two houses, the house of Israel, the paganized house of Israel, and the law-keeping house of Judah, even though they didn't keep it very well. They still had the law, they had the rituals, and they were keeping those rituals, and even Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. All of the law, even the ritual law, still applied until Calvary, up until Calvary. So, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the... Because we were expelled. The lost tribes, they were put away in punishment. He sent us across the Caucasus Mountains to become paganized Europeans. Until, of course, the gospel reached them. And they converted in a surprisingly easy fashion. Although some held out and had to be conquered by Christian kings. 
such as Alfred the Great, who conquered the Vikings and said, you either convert to Christianity or lop off your head. And so he's one of those wimpy Christians, the, the non-Israelite worth a non-CI world thinks. So he thinks we're all wimps, okay? Having no hope and without God in the world. Yeah, and that's what happened to the expelled, put away in punishments, otherwise called lost tribes of Israel. Let's see how they interpret this. Promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Verse okay, Paul is clearly talking about the ten lost tribes afar off. They were put away in punishment. That's what Paul is talking about. But, but since these people don't know anything about the migrations of Israel, and, but even the, the Pharisees recognized, he said, uh, Jesus said, I have another flock they're not here in Judea. I have another flock somewhere else. And the Pharisees, what would he go? Will he go to the dispersed? John 8, uh, 7.35, will he go to the dispersed? They knew that the other Israelites were dispersed throughout the Greco-Roman world. And they were fearful that he, he would go to them, rouse them, and bring them back with an army and wipe the Pharisees off the face of the earth. That's why they had to kill him. They thought he was going to take over, and he could have easily done that. But the, his first advent was not to conquer the world. It was to redeem true Israel. That's what the first advent was about. So you mistake him for a whip. He said, bring hither those who would not worship me and slay them before me. That's Luke 17, 26. Jesus was not a whip. But the plan, Yahweh's plan for the redemption of the Adamic race, which is now in its 6,000th year, requires two advents. And the second advent, he will come with a flaming sword, a vesture dipped in blood, and angels who are going to wipe our enemies off the face of the earth. And in addition, those Israelites who do not accept this gospel proposition— that if you love me, keep my commandments, he will slam the door in their faces. This is brutal stuff. And so, since the covenant relation was made exclusively with Israel and no other people, they're trying to universalize the text and bring in non-Israelites. Well, that doesn't work. And on our shows, we have shown a million reasons why that doesn't work. They have misinterpreted all these passages because they assume that the New Testament is written to the quote-unquote Gentiles, and that word Gentile is not a scriptural word that has been imposed upon the Bible by theologians, by Jews, and by and outsiders accept it, okay? Well, no, we are the light of the world. We Israelites, we law-abiding Israelites, we are the light of the world. Certainly not the Jews. Okay, let's continue. 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of... He's talking about the dispersed house of Israel. He's not talking about the Gentiles. God, according to this scripture, we are fellow citizens of Israel. Because back in verse number 12, he said, when you were without Christ, you were aliens of Israel. No, here again, it's alienated. It's a verb. It's not a noun. 
This is how you can change the meaning of Scripture in very, very subtle ways to mean the exact opposite of what it actually says. You were strangers and foreigners to Israel. but in Yeah, because they were cast out. Remember Lo-Ami? He divorced us. He divorced the 10 northern tribes and cast them out into the wilderness for 1,260 years. And the story gets picked up in book of Revelation, chapter 12, where the woman with the 12 stars, the crown of 12 stars, she is Israel. The entire book of Revelation is written exclusively to Israel and to no other people. And even uh, Jesus in the New Testament, he came to save Israel. Read the first three chapters of Luke. It's all about Israel, no other people. He did, I come not, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Nowhere does he say, I came for to save the whole world. No, he came to redeem Israel the first time. And, those, and we are supposed to be the light of the world, showing, and we have been. The white race, the white Israelite race, has been the light of the world, showing the world a jur, Christian jurisprudence. Showing the example of how people should live, not by tyranny, but by people voluntarily acting by, according to the will of Yahweh. That's that's the light. That's the example we're supposed to show. The example we're supposed to set. But very very few Christians today, and for the most part, the Christian world, uh, excluding the Catholic Church, which was a tyrannical imperialistic power killing anyone that didn't agree with their interpretation of the Bible, which led to the Reformation, of course. But the vast majority of Christians throughout history have been good people and they, because the Holy Spirit that was breathed into us at Pentecost, right after the death of Christ, changed our spirit. Our rebelliousness was changed and turned into relative obedience. Relative and we had the understanding. We knew the good, the difference between good and evil from that point on. And most white people do know the difference between good and evil. They don't really need to be told. They know that if you hurt somebody, kill somebody unjustly, that it's wrong. We know that's wrong. But some people decide to go against the will of Yahweh. Anyway, they will be counted among the tares at the judgment day. So there's no way that Paul is a stranger, estranged. They're turning adjectives and verbs into noun. Now, therefore, you are no more estranged and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household. In other words, we were brought back in, healing the division between the two tribes, or two houses, rather. Let's continue. Verse 19, he says, now... You are fellow citizens with the saints. So who is the true Israel? Is it some guy over in the Middle East who doesn't even believe in Jesus and is worshiping Shekinah? Or some Jew, <laughs> right? The good thing about these guys is they do what they're, the point they're really making here is that Jews don't qualify. Under their universalized interpretation, the Jews don't qualify. Why? Because they don't accept Christ. So in their con convoluted logic, they reject, they say the Jews are rejects. 
And that is absolutely correct. So I applaud them for coming to this conclusion in their roundabout way. By the way, this person speaking is Pastor Stephen Anderson, who has made a lot of anti-Jewish videos. And so he's just a bit off. All of these guys are just a bit off because they don't teach covenant theology. Let's continue. Or is it the true believer of the Lord Jesus Christ who's been grafted in and brought nigh unto Israel? It's very simple. Jesus said in Matthew 21, verse 43, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. He was speaking to the Pharisees. They didn't bear fruits. They refused Jesus. They refused redemption. They refused to... uh, At that point, he is correct. They refused redemption. And that applies to us too. Any Anglo-Saxon Israelite who refuses redemption might as well be a terror recognized the deliverer of Zion, the very Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, because of that, the kingdom is taken from you and given to another nation. Well, what is that nation? Is it Syria? Is it America? Is it England? Is it Germany? No, no, no. A spiritual nation. No, 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 no. There is no such thing as spiritual Israel. It's the Israelites, the covenant people, the Adelphos of the New Testament, coming from the same womb Sarah, her direct descendants through Isaac and Rebekah and through Jacob and his four wives. That's what Adelphos means, coming from the same womb. That's what the word Adelphos means. It does not mean any womb. It means those particular wombs that are the bloodline of the covenant. Okay? So they're correct in stating the Jews no longer qualify. Actually, they never did (laughs) because they were never Israel. There have always been imposters. But at least a grain of insight, a a little bit of light is starting to shine through these people. They realize that the Jews are, in fact, rejects, total rejects. But they want to replace their, their precious Jews with their own churches. That's what they're arguing here. That's not accurate either, but at least they're getting closer. They're getting closer to covenant theology. Let's keep on listening here. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All right. When David uh, from Branson and I did a video on this, that's a direct quote from the Old Testament at Mount Sinai where the people of Israel were being described in exactly this manner. These words do not apply to anybody but Israel. The the direct correlation between those two statements in the Old Testament and 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 is absolutely, it's virtually a, a verbatim quotation from the Old Testament. Those words were spoken exclusively to Israel and to no other people. There's no way you can universalize that quotation from the Old Testament and apply it to non-Israelites, certainly not to the Jews. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Okay, because they were cast out. The word lost is apolumi, put away in punishment. 
Only Israel was put away in punishment. No other people rejected his offer at Mount Sinai and through their horrible behavior uh, up until the split between the two houses and even after that, because he divorced us. But he plans to remarry us. And the first advent is part of the process. Now, in the second advent, we are to be the bride of Christ. Only Israel, only Israel is spoken of as the bride of Christ. Just go to Revelation chapter 20, 21, and 22. Let's continue. The Bible's not a book about God blessing one nation. Yes, That's it is. God told Abraham, and these shall all nations of the earth. Be oh, yeah, they will be blessed because of us. Is through Abraham's seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, who did not come for all nations. He came only for Israel. <laughs> he says so himself. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham wasn't looking for a physical land. He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We as yeah, and that city is coming down to earth, as it clearly says in the book of Revelation. The kingdom will come down to this earth, the city four square. And we Israelites will be its governors. are looking for a new Jerusalem. We're looking for a heavenly city. Well, that heavenly city comes down to earth. Let's let's quote it accurately. As Hebrews 11, the faith chapter points out, but now they desire a better country that is in heaven. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. For us, God yes. God has prepared a city for us, a city that we can't find physically on this earth because it's a heavenly city. It's something that God has prepared for those that have faith in him. When we're looking for... But he also said the kingdom is within you. It's, it's within us Israelites. We're the only ones who have the ability to create this kingdom, to prepare for it. No other race and certainly no stinking church has the ability to do so. They don't have it in their DNA. That's why Yahweh chose us. And it is the remnant of Israel that will bring this into being. We will be the ones preparing the way. We are the ones declaring that it is coming and that we will be the governing agents under Yahshua Messiah. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach any form of universalism whatsoever. Zion, and when we're looking for Jerusalem, we're not looking for the one which now is. We're not looking for the one that we can touch. We're not looking for the one that... I can touch it. I can taste it. I can smell it. That's spiritually a Sodom and spiritually Egypt. We're, we're looking for the one that is heavenly, the one that is to come. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Yeah, that's at the second coming. That's what he's talking about. And that is Israel. So according to the New Testament, Zion is the heavenly Jerusalem. Not the physical Jerusalem that now is, but the heavenly Jerusalem. Well, that's good. I like that. Because they're talking about that stinking uh, sinkhole of a country in Palestine. Jerusalem will descend down from heaven. That is our capital. Oh, there you go. Thank you. That is our Zion. And so I'm Israel. It's our Zion. No, no, no. You're not Israel because you're a spiritual Israelite. If you're not a genetic Israelite, you can't be an Israelite, period. Those people over there are not Israel. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I like that.
their roundabout logic has brought them to a correct conclusion here. I like it. Paul said they're not all Israel, that are of Israel, maybe of Israel, genealogically speaking. No, 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 no. They're not all Israel, which are of Israel, if they don't accept the redemption at the cross. And there's still a lot of Israelites in the world who have not done so. Hello? Hello, hello, hello? But you're not Israel, as God counts as what his original intent was, a people that are of praise and a glory to him. We as and who it's only white people, it's only white people. The other races only go through the motions. All the blacks in the world, they just come to Christian churches for the perks. Christians are the chosen people of God. We are the true is Christian Israelites, Israel, and we are marching to Zion. Well, they might be behind us because we are the light of the world, not them. So it's, I found it interesting that uh, Pastor Stephen Anderson and Tex Mars are getting together. Even though they're still preaching universalism, they don't preach the covenant message. Nevertheless, they are beginning to reject the Jews as God's chosen people. And I, all I can say to that is, hurrah, hurrah. Okay, perfect timing, Pastor Martins. <laughs> all right. Are you with us? Yeah. Hey, you're late. Uh, you're late. You get ten demerits. <laughs> yes. What's, go what's Pastor, going? What's going on? I ran. Sorry, I ran out of data, oh. and uh, I had to use my cell phone's data to uh, get connected. Ah. Uh, in 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 fact, um, um, I haven't used Skype on my cell phone for quite some time, and then it required me to enter a password which i could not remember so oh, right <laughs> my kingdom for my password right yes yeah. and, right and the, the whole thing is uh, because i have two cell phones and two computers yeah uh, it, it happened on on occasion that i had forgotten the password that i had so microsoft forced me to change the password and it's okay. not registered on my other uh -huh. uh, connection items. All and right. The set is I have so many of my friends on various of my groups listening in tonight. So the, um, I need to apologize, first of all, to you for being so late. Okay. And secondly, well, I, I'm currently running off. Uh, uh, I've tethered my yeah. cell phone. Yeah. Well, that was very clever of you. <laughs> that was very clever of you. And your sound is excellent. So I just finished a, a brief study. I was critiquing a video by Tex Mars and Pastor Stephen Anderson who were claiming yeah. that, uh, well, first of all, the good th part of the message is they're saying the Jews are not Israel. But the reason they're well, saying it, yeah, because they don't act like Israel, they don't act like true Israelites would. They don't act like Christians. And Christians are the real Israelites, but they're including anybody who converts to Christianity as an Israelite. So what do you respond to that message? Uh, Pastor, I have a problem with that because uh, looking at the uh, way in, in which the church, the, 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 no church has its origins in the time of the Bible or the time of the scriptures. Uh, there's a reason why Church is called Cerca or Kerke in Latin, and 
also circus. Circus, if you were here in South Africa, uh, I can re remember when I still watch TV, uh, we often had a program that uh, uh, has a circus. It was called Cirque de Soleil, which okay. uh, is the Circus of the Sun. Okay. And the Circus of the Sun um, was one of the... Um, the fact that I had seen Sika Desleil was one of the uh, uh, leads to doing some investigation into why church is also called by the same name. And that was, um, we've spoken oh, about it before. Oh, Kirk. Yeah, the, the church. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I yeah. get you. I get you recovered for now. Latin, okay. The Latin C-I-R-C-E. Right. And uh, circus. Um, <laughs> the circus of Christianity. Right. Yeah. Well, I get you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly what it is. Because, uh, uh, of, of course, the, uh, the, the, the um, history tells us well, first of all, the Roman Catholic Church claims that um, St. Paul was uh, crucified on the exact spot where that Nimrod penis is located in the Vatican's mm -hmm. uh, St. Peter's Square. Yes. That basilisk which is erected on the spot where Peter was uh, crucified. Okay. Now, the reason why Peter was crucified at that particular spot was because of Caesar Vespanius. We've spoken about him on a number of occasions where he had quelled the uprising of the Judahites in Jerusalem, and that was also at the time when the temple was burned down and the gold that had melted out of the roof of the uh, temple had uh, uh, melted and run down in between the rocks, and the rocks that, the, that was used to build the temple was actually levered off one by one by the soldiers, which Vespanius had taken with him to Jerusalem to quell this uprising. Now, at the time, so many of the Nazarenes, whom were the followers of the man from Nazareth, as they were called in those days, and there's also a very clear hint about that when the Pharisees called Paul, uh, sorry, yeah, called Paul, I think it was in Acts 18, where uh, they said they actually, um, when they had uh, brought in uh, this this claims against Paul, they stated that he was an, uh, causing an uproar amongst the, the Judahites, or mm -hmm. the, what was right. known as House of Judah, right. um, and that he was from the sect of the Nazarenes. So that is a slip by that the, the Freemasons missed out when they replaced all the um, the the, the uh, words called Nazarenes because that was what they were called. Evidence has it that uh, uh, the, the word Christians was only inserted after the, um, the, the conciliation of Nicaea, which was in 325 after the Messiah, which means, well, that it was at the same time when, when, the, when Yeshua's name was removed from the original scriptures, placed with the name Jesus. Right. I don't yeah. know whether you've done any research on that. Well, let me just interject so, here uh, that the the even the cross was not an original Christian symbol. The original symbol they used was the fish because uh, Jesus was a fisher of Israelites, fisher of men, Adamites. Okay, uh, that 
that cross symbol was created by Constantine. And he's the one yes. who popularized that symbol. Back to you. Yes. Now, um, the, the claim that the church has, that it has its roots in the Bible, uh, I accept that because the Bible was only um, translated out of the original writings of the Nazarenes or the Nazarites, um, whom wrote it in Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, that was what my mm. research indicated, okay. and the, there's, there's quite a bit of evidence to that in terms of the way in which uh, we read the idiomatic, the idiomatic um, uh, pronunciation of certain of the concepts in the New Testament as it yeah. is written in the Koine Greek. Okay. Now, the Koine yeah. Greek was, sorry? Yeah, yes, I agree. The, the Koine Greek was translated not out of the original Hebrew and Aram, Aramaic, but it was translated out of the Latin. So mm. the evidence says, states that, or indicates that, first of all, they translated from the original writings of the Nazarites, as it was called, the, the uh, scriptures of the Nazarites, yeah, was translated Nazarenes, to yeah. Latin, or the Nazarenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was translated into Latin, and then by virtue of the fact that Latin was not uh, widely accepted at that stage yet, because Greek had been a very strong uh, language influence in the in the unity, even mm-hmm. after the fall of the uh, the Greek Empire, when the Roman Empire had taken overtaken the Greek Empire, there was still so much Greek that they decided to uh, rewrite the Latin version of the scriptures into Greek. And that Greek version, which was all written in Koine Greek, was then um, propagated uh, to the churches, or rather to the church. Uh, At that stage, I mean, the the churches only came into existence beyond the 13-1400s when the uh, church reformation took place. But the the singularity of the church was uh, in existence or only came into existence about 140 years after the Messiah. So, and, and that was on the, the, the circus of um, Caesar Vespianus or Vespa, uh, okay. Vespanius. Yeah, uh, that was, uh, yeah, he had transported one of the obelisks from Egypt to Rome. That's right. And, and set Alexandria. it up there. Mm-hmm. From Alexandria, right. Okay, now, uh, right. now Pastor Steve and many others say that the original Gospels were actually written in Hebrew by the apostles, but that those documents were lost. And then uh, from there, it was converted to either Latin or Greek. So you're saying well, that even the coin Greek was derived from Latin? Exactly. Uh, first, first to Latin, then to Greek. Oh, that's certainly a possibility. But the churches had then ample opportunity to distort the, the original message from the Hebrew. Well, okay. Well, the evidence is that um, the original apost- apostles' writings, the scriptures of the apostles or the Nazarites, mm-hmm. uh, are still in existence, and they are kept in the very close God in the archives beneath the Vatican. Okay, Vatican, I can believe that, yes. 
Mm-hmm. Beneath the Vatican, apparently, there's about 85 kilometers mm-hmm. or about 70 miles of archives. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. And those are, <laughs> Catacombs, yeah. And, uh, the, well, the way in which it can be determined or that the evidence uh, shows is that there are some of the idioms that are used in um, the Latin version of the scripture, or the New Testament, if I can call it that. Okay. I, I hate calling it a New Testament because the original scriptures didn't yeah. have two testaments. Right. It was only one testament which was handed down by the Father via... Yeah, part two uh, of the covenant. Of the, <laughs> part two of the covenant. Exactly. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah. uh, um, the evidence indicates that some of the, transla- the, the translated, the Latin version of the scriptures uh, have idioms, idioms idiomatic um, sayings in them which don't make sense in Latin at all. But if yeah. you translate the Latin back into Greek, into, yeah. mm-hmm. well, well uh, if, if you translate it back to Hebrew, in the Hebrew idiom it makes perfect sense so mm-hmm. that is an indication now in in most of the instances the greek idiom was translated or the latin idiom was translated into greek which me which means it doesn't make sense in the in the greek either yeah, right but, but, but some of the idioms <laughs> right? yeah exactly some some of the idiomatic uh, usage of words in the greek indicates that some of the persons who translated from the Latin to the Greek did have some knowledge of the Hebrew right? because they corrected in the Greek idiom that which is in the Latin idiom but with Greek okay. words. So, right. so the evidence is clear that there was an original as Hebrew but not an original as Greek. As uh, we we have been led to believe. Yeah, well, yeah, the the original is Hebrew, but uh, those have been lost. But you're saying that they might still be in the Vatican archives, and the Catholic Church is not keen to let anybody look at those. (laughs) Right? Exactly. Yeah, well, okay, um, go ahead. Something that I also ran across was that uh, all the libraries, when the, the Romans had taken over the, the um, of course, they were still in power for quite a number of years after the, the um, uh, uh, resurrection and the, uh, uh, the ascension of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And they ensured that all the libraries where books were kept and writings were kept, especially those writings of the um, uh, apostles, mm-hmm. wherever, they had, wherever they had gone in the they, they returned to Rome. They visited all the uh, uh, assemblies or the ecclesia, mm-hmm. uh, not churches, because they weren't called churches in the original scriptures. In, right. In, they, they were assemblies. The ecclesia or, right. Or the assemblies. And they often met yeah. in people's homes, not in synagogues. So they were merely yes. assemblies, and sometimes outdoors too. Okay. Yes, and uh, mm. they in, they ensured to get as much of the, um, the the literature of the Nazarenes as possible. They even visited those assemblies that were mentioned by Paul in the book of Acts that he had visited, and also mm-hmm. his various writings. Now, that was where uh, they had 
uh, happen to lay their hands on, for example, the books of Romans and the book of, well, the book of Romans was in Rome already. So mm -hmm. they went and they arrested those uh, believers of the Messiah who were called Nazarenes and they uh, took hold of all the writings and the books that they could find that uh, had any evidence of being related to the apostles of the Nazarene. So uh, those, all those writings are uh, hidden in the Vatican catacombs, right. as you have stated. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, also... Uh, also, uh, one of the things with the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were discovered in 1948, uh, it was something that um, uh, made quite a bit of the headlines at the time and even beyond, was that uh, many people will be absolutely astonished by what is actually written in the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, right. But it has been hushed. It's it's been hushed they, because they don't want us to know exactly what was written in the original scriptures. In fact, the the name Christian and the name Christ and the name Jesus are trademarks or rather copyright. Uh, the, the copyright owners of that is the Roman Catholic Church. Right. And one of the things people don't realize, the Roman Catholic Church was called the Roman Catholic Church right from the three, uh, 325 uh, of the Messiah. Right. Uh, AD, beca because that was when they called the presbyters or the presbyters uh, of all the religions, so-called Pre presbyters. Called presbyters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but they were the, the leaders, the uh, different faith leaders of mm -hmm. paganistic uh, religions, etc. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, something that I find absolutely amazing is that at this stage, um, with all the churches now reuniting with the Pope and then also the Islam and various other religions which are climbing into a new world religion, the Christians, I, I see what they say on, on Facebook and they highly perturbed about it, but they don't realize that that is exactly the way that Christianity was started. And that mm -hmm. is why yeah. the book of Revelation 17, 18 and 19 referred to this uh, state church unity or this thing called state and church um, is called the whore of Babylon or the harlot of Babylon with her daughters whom are also called whores because they are, they've been in persecution or they have been persecuting the true Israelites or the true descendants of the house of Jacob since day one. That's uh, right. Caesar Vespania started with it. And they've been doing it all along. But the sad thing is that the Christians have been the ones that have claimed that they were the persecuted, when in fact they were the persecutors. If you consider, for example, uh, how did your ancestors go to, uh, not your ancestors, but your predecessors go to uh, America? How did mine get to South Africa? Mm -hmm. They were persecuted as Israelites in Europe. Why were they persecuted as Israelites? Because they did not bow to the Pope, yes. uh, who claimed to be the representative of uh, Father Yahweh on earth, and they did also not uh, bow to the, 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 um, uh, uh, um, the daughters of the Roman Catholic Church, yeah. uh, which of and course is Protestantism. Right. Now, I know many people will crucify me for saying this, but the Protestantism was part and parcel of an 
thesis, antithesis uh, situation that was created because they wanted these, this, the Jews were behind capitalism and the Jews are behind communism. The Jews are behind every aspect of these things and they create the one thing and as a thesis and they create the other thing as an anti-thesis. And of course, they, they create these two poles in everything that they do. It's, an, it's a, a, a recipe that they've used over and over in order to create the condition out of that, the synthesis of that which they want at the end of the day. In other words, they have already decided what their agenda was. So in order to, for them to obtain the agenda, they create the problem. Right. And they, also cre- they also offer uh, option one, two, and three, but all three of the options that they offer are all three of them give them the two or three steps ahead towards their own uh, idealistic goals. So that's the situation we've been sitting with, Pastor. In fact, the Afrikaner Boer situation in South Africa was also uh, the same recipe was used in in Britain or in England with the Anglo-Saxons. And when the British came in as uh, descendants of uh, the Edomite Kazarians, uh, they infiltrated the English, they infiltrated the Anglo-Saxons, eventually taking them over, creating the uh, city of London, uh, and, uh, uh, a capital which is outside, it's not part of England, it's not part of Britain, but it's sitting there and it's controlling everybody in Great Britain. Yes. Exactly the same yeah. same ways in Washington, this Washington uh, D.C., which is not part of America, it has its own laws, its own. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's exactly the same way as the Vatican and Rome. Yeah. So, well, here, uh, 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 let me give people uh, a, a, a sample of the type of material that's hidden in the Vatican archives. This was smuggled out uh, in the late 1880s by an American legislator, and he read this into the congressional record. It's the letter of Pontius Pilate to Tiberius Caesar. And in the middle of the document, he describes the physical appearance of Yahshua Messiah. Okay? And he says this. One day in past, this is Pontius Pilate speaking, and this is in the Vatican archives. One day in passing by the place of Silo, where there was a great concourse of people, I observed in the midst of the group a young man who was leaning against a tree, calmly addressing the multitude. I was told it was Jesus. This I could easily have suspected. So great was the difference between him and those listening to him. His golden-colored hair and beard gave to his appearance a celestial aspect. He appeared to be about 30 years of age, Never have I seen a sweeter or more serene countenance. What a contrast between him and his hearers with their black beards and tawny complexions. <laughs> Over to you. Yes, Pastor. I, I have even doubt about that because the evidence that I have is that when Pontius Pilate um, gave the option to the crowd and the masses at the 
at the time when he was basically uh, auctioning the Messiah. Right. Uh, I, I have it that he asked the, the masses, whom would you want to be released? Whom would you want? Yeah. Would you want Yeshua, who was also called the Messiah? Or would you want Jesus, who was also called well, the, the robber? Yeah, Barabbas. Yeah, Barabbas. Yeah. But, but, but you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He actually asked them that they want uh, yeah. Yeshua, who was also the Messiah, or that they want Jesus, who was also called Barabbas. Now, this Jesus, also called Barabbas, was uh, actually in the oldest English translations that I could find, was clear that did you want Jesus of Barabbas, or was also called Barabbas, uh -huh. or did you want Yeshua uh, the of Nazareth? Of Nazareth, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So, so, so it is very evident that. When they changed the name of, well, well, another thing that I realized this morning, I was actually talking to somebody or uh, writing a message to somebody uh, on WhatsApp. I don't know if you're aware of WhatsApp at all, yeah. but it's a very popular um, communications medium in South Africa on cell phones and computers. Okay. But uh, so, somebody, um, a church-going person, um, we we call them kerkers now. Kerker is a is is a jail. Okay. But, uh, somebody. <laughs> yeah, Christian jailhouse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, and it's also a word that is um, very clearly written in the Afrikaans uh, scriptures or the translated scriptures in the Book of Isaiah, speaking about the people who are bound in the carcass. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That's the circus of modern Christianity, right? That's what it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, okay. Then if, if I, I said to this person, while I wrote my, my uh, debate or my when I wrote my reasoning, I said to this person, Jesus was a very common name. We, we, we read about various persons in the scriptures whose name was Jesus. Jesus was called Barabbas. We called Jesus uh, Bar-Jonah, uh -huh. uh, who was called the son of Jonah, etc. But it was not the Jesus which was, which has been portrayed as the Messiah by the Roman Catholic Church. So I said to you, it's very clear that the name Jesus was a fairly popular name at the time. In fact, okay. if we look at the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, if I can call it that, I don't like calling it the Testament. I like calling it the old covenant, covenant new covenant. Well, yeah, the fulfillment of the covenant, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Now, but here we're just about out of time. We only have about three minutes left, so uh, try to wrap it up, please. Okay. Um, I said to uh, Jesus was a very common name, and it, the reason for that was the people called their children by the names of the gods that they worshipped. That is why. In the Hebrew scriptures, they, we have Isaiah, which was uh, the, the uh, uh, suffix of uh, his name is directly relating to the name Yahweh. Also, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Obadiah, etc. And I said, but how can the name Kus, now Kus is a very common South African or Afrikaans name, how can the name Kus which is common in South Africa, be a name above all other names. If Jesus, whom was was a, 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 a name frequently used by people in, in his time, how could his name be 
Jesus and the Father calls it a name above all names, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is an absolute valid point yeah, well, of yeah. reasoning. Yeah. He t- he t- well, because Yahshua is our intercessor. He's our exactly. only intercessor. You know, and it is the only name, uh, the only name that also bears the name of the Father. And he said he came right. in the name of his Father. Yes, he did. Pastor, thank you very much. Yes. All right. Okay, folks. So uh, we have, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Cossacks, the Teutonic Knights, etc., etc. It's uh, uh, it's an interesting point you bring up. Yes, uh, there were many people named Jesus, and in fact, Joshua, or Joshua, the Yahshua of the Old Joshua of the Old Testament is mentioned twice in the New Testament as a reference to yeah. the physical Joshua with who traveled yeah. with Moses, and people don't realize it. Sometimes they think it's a reference to Jesus. No, but it was a historical reference. So you have to pay really close attention to which Joshua yes. or which Jesus is being referred to. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Pastor. I'm glad you were able to uh, get on board with us for at least half the show today. And then yes, the next week, the next next week, I'll be uh, traveling, and uh, perhaps Paul English can do the show with you, or you can, uh, you know, he can show you how to run the show yourself, you know, from your cell phone, yes. I guess. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure that I have uh, airtime next uh, week, Pastor. All right. Very good. Excellent. All right, Pastor Martins. Thanks for being our co-host again today. Take care. Excellent. Thank you very much, Pastor. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. And we will, not all of us, but some of us will be back next Sunday.